8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And uh, yeah, the big uh, set of news, I guess, coming through over the next few days or so. Yes, expecting those jobs numbers. Quarterly Labour Force Survey, I think, for the fourth quarter of 2021 is set to come out. Which might give us a sense, I guess, of what's happening in the labour market. Uh, what's happening to employment. What's happening to those who are discouraged, who have given up the job search uh, and all of that. Uh, but I guess the big set of news is coming up in the next few hours. Uh, is uh, that uh, budget speech which will be delivered by the Minister of Finance in Okodongwana uh, tomorrow. And uh, yeah, joining me now on the line to talk about uh, what uh, many civil society and social justice organizations might expect uh, from the budget uh, tomorrow. I'm joined by Dominic Brown, who speaks on behalf of the Budget Justice Coalition. Uh, Dominic, good evening and welcome. Evening, Ayabunga. How are you doing, man? Good, and you? Um, well, thank you. Um, well, thanks. Let's maybe start off here. I guess, uh, you know, before we get to some of the uh, key asks uh, that uh, yourselves organized under the auspices of the BJC might have, let's just mm-hmm. go through, I guess, what normally comes out of the budget. Um, before we even get to the uh, expenditure allocations themselves, there's often, I guess, an assessment first of the economic environment and the impact mm-hmm. that that has on revenues. Um, mm-hmm. And we've seen over the last while a lot of you know, uh, projections, a lot of estimations of where growth is going to be, where commodity mm. prices are going to be, and by extension, yeah. what the fiscus will be collecting into the National Revenue Fund. What are some mm-hmm. of your expectations on that front? So, I, I, I just read the news on that Ayabonga and look, as you say, what's happening around, and it seems as if there's um, an expectation that we will have greater tax revenues than anticipated previously. Um, And October last year, the NTBPS, we had um, an an increased expectation of about 100 to 120 billion due to um, rising revenue from corporate income taxes related to, as you were saying, uh, commodity price boom, commodity markets are doing well at the moment. As As economies open up, following lockdowns, uh, created demand, and so uh, there's more demand for fuels um, and also for kick-starting the economy. So that has helped the South African economy a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, I guess the the expectations of the growth in the economy. I mean, uh, any of your thoughts there, uh, just based on what you've been hearing? So there's an anticipation of an on average 1.5% GDP growth rate per annum. But I think both of us would be a bit skeptical about, even if this is to take place, what does it actually mean? Um, I think within the current context where there is greater demand for commodities, it's possible. But it's an extractivist-based growth and probably a growth that won't uh, translate into many new jobs being created, nor to a redistribution of wealth. And secondly, it's probably short-term growth um, in that uh, once the commodity price boom uh, fails or ends, um, we won't have that same kind of expectation. And then when you compare it to population growth, um, then the size of the economic growth is actually um, stagnating as the size of the economy is growing faster than... Ah, sorry, the size of the population is growing faster than the size of the yeah, economy. Yeah, yeah. Then, Dominic, I mean, you, you spoke about the MTBPS slightly there. Uh, and, mm. uh, I mean, that would have given us some clues 
as to you know what firstly the fiscal framework is about you know where the big allocations are going to be where the big cuts are expected to come in uh, and and when you look i guess at non-interest spending so take away yeah. the amount of money that we give to bondholders uh, yeah. or people who hold uh, any of our sovereign debt uh, but the non-interest spending i mean what are you seeing there that i guess firstly is alarming you but also secondly based on what the president might have said in the sona what are you expecting that might make many social justice organizations happy So I think we will see a continuation of the below inflationary um, spending to key funding uh, uh, budget items. So, for example, education, healthcare, and social protection will probably all continue at below uh, inflationary increases, yes. uh, which means that it's effectively real cuts to healthcare, real cuts to education, real cuts to social protection. Uh, on top of that, I think we're going to see a continuation of uh, real cuts. In other words, once again, accounting for inflation to municipal spending, both in the form of equitable share and conditional share grants. Um, over and above the budget cuts, I think we're going to see a big emphasis on the liberalisation of the energy and transport sectors. So, yeah. Um, further pushing reforms, structural reforms in relation to ESCOM, PRAS and Transnet, under the guise of a just transition and treating corruption will take place, probably. And all of this um, will be pushed through with the continuation of the SRD. So the SRD is the, is the carrot, sorry for that background noise, and the rest of the austerity and increased liberalization, or in other words, more privatization of key aspects of the economy, will be the stick oh. that will beat the South yeah. African populace into submission, probably. Dominic, I, I mean, I think many South Africans, you know, would, would be familiar that a lot of our SOEs, when we think about capital spending to provide public mm. goods, at the center of that, be it the water boards, be it capital spending at ESCOM, right through to what happens at Sunral in terms of our roads, uh, and even, I guess, the spending on passenger rail and freight rail uh, by the agencies that um, you know, are responsible for those, Transnet and Prasa. Um, your sense on what this budget might hold for many of these SOEs who are basic, facing massive challenges. I mean, I was speaking about the land bank earlier on, uh, which over the last 12 months or so has been tottering on default. Anything you expect on that score? Sorry, um, I missed that. Are you asking... No, I'm saying um, on SOCs. Yeah. On SOCs. You know, most in, yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in October. No, I think, I think the yeah. idea is that the private sector can deliver. So whilst you will hear, we're not privatizing ESCOM. Uh, there's the push for increases in beta, embedded renewable energy generation. Yeah. Um, so there will be uh, the support for that. I think we will hear a lot of rhetoric around the Green Climate Fund um, and finance and how this is, as Ramaphosa previously, previously indicated, a watershed moment. Uh, but in reality, uh, it's not really much investment into, uh, into renewables nor renewable energy infrastructure. So, so what you're having, uh, Ayabonga, and I was saying this earlier as well, is that when you look at this under commission, we see how the private sector is complicit and integral into the corruption and the hollowing out of capacity at SOEs. Mm. And now the solution is 
that we need to unbundle and have greater role of the private sector in delivering these services without any recognition about the role that the private sector played in getting it here. So sure, the private sector sure. was a massive part of the problem, and now all of a sudden they're also the solution. It seems like a major contradiction. Mm. So, so instead of dealing with the problem of corruption um, in public institutions, we're throwing the baby out to the bathwater uh, and no longer actually advancing a public goods mm. approach to education, to healthcare, and other essential services. So, Dominic, what's wrong with having the private sector providing public goods? So, in general, they don't have a great level of interest uh, in doing so. So, if you're in a situation where you have mass unemployment and deep structural inequalities, there's not a lot of profits to be made from the selling of services to the majority of people in the country. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make sense. So, uh, similarly, for the private sector to produce, uh, similarly, when there's higher risk investments or uh, investments of very low returns, like rail infrastructure, for mm. example, then all of a sudden the private sector is reluctant to invest in those key services. Yeah. Dominic, yeah. let's do this. Hold the line there for me for a second. We've got a spot break we need to quickly take now. Sure. So we're going to take the spot break and uh, we'll continue with our discussion on uh, the budget that's coming up tomorrow with Dominic Brown after this. Send your voice notes to Metro FM Talk. 079-191-4270. The headlines. The headlines on Metro FM Talk. Seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to our headline segment here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, this evening, uh, we take a look at uh, what we might anticipate from tomorrow's budget, said to be delivered by uh, Minister of Finance, Inokodongwana, uh, tomorrow. And uh, I'm in conversation with the Budget Justice Coalition's Dominic Brown. Before we went to the break, we were talking about SOEs and I guess what we might expect uh, and uh, the big tensions uh, in terms of uh, getting private participation in SOCs that ideally are geared towards the provisioning of public goods, in the case of electricity, roads, water, and uh, many of the other things that we need for our day-to-day survival and reproduction. And um, uh, uh, Dominic, I guess uh, if we were to shift from that slightly, I mean, one of the other things that finance ministers often take the opportunity to um, give some reflections and remarks on is the composition of the public sector wage. Now, I'm quite interested, I guess, in your thoughts on this in the context of what we saw uh, two budgets ago uh, where the then finance minister announced unilateral termination of a a bargaining agreement with public sector workers. Um, And we also have heard moratoriums on vacancies uh, and this expectation that uh, certainly by the marketplace that there will be uh, significant reductions in the headcount within the public service. What are your thoughts on this, especially in the context of the remarks that we've heard from the president over the last while? So, Bonga, I think what we are seeing is a massive restructuring of the South African economy among a number of key pillars. The first pillar is the big budget cuts that we've seen for some time. And it's not budget cuts in relation to the salaries of director generals, auditor generals, and the high-earning ministers and uh, deputy ministers. Uh, the second thing, the second pillar relates to the liberalization of energy and transport. And the third pillar is this area about the public sector wage bill. 
And we often hear, and I think I've mentioned it to you before, that there's this uh, idea that there's a fight between public sector workers and the masses of unemployed people in the country, as if the masses of unemployed people in this country are not dependent on the very public sector workers in the healthcare sector, in the education sector, uh, and in correctional services. It's not to speak of municipal workers who are separate but are facing the very same challenges. So we, that's number one. Number two is that sector workers, 70% of them are in fact made up of teachers, healthcare workers, and correctional service workers. And by government's own accounts, there aren't enough teachers, healthcare workers, and correctional services workers. The National Department of Health indicated we need 95,000 more healthcare workers by 2025. And I think we know the same scenario exists across the board. Now, the argument is that currently the, the wages of these um, public sector workers are too high, so they can't employ anymore. Mm. But, that, but that fails to look at the actual state of the public sector wages. And when we look at it, um, the majority of the, of the public sector workers are earning above... Um, the median wage in the country, but are invariably supporting five, six, seven, eight dependents as a result of the unemployment uh, crisis. Uh, and uh, the issue of the how much more teachers, nurses, uh, and municipal workers is not an uh, issue of a rising wage bill. It's a political question as the size of the public sector wage bill has remained constant in relation to tax revenue and in relation to GDP uh, for some time. Uh, so, yes, uh, it's, a, it's an unfortunate thing that the healthcare workers, for example, and teachers who've been at the front line during the pandemic are now having to face the possibilities of retrenchments. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, it's cold comfort for many of the uh, healthcare workers. I, I, re- I recall we did a story a few weeks ago uh, of healthcare workers in the province of the Eastern Cape, and uh, I'm not only just talking about community health workers here, nurses, doctors, specialists, um, you know, who uh, I guess had their contracts not renewed because the yeah. Eastern Cape government had to pay medical legal claims. Uh, and I guess it speaks volumes about where in the organogram of government uh, the massive gaps are, uh, and I guess where... As some people might suggest, a lot of the the fat is and a lot of the um, sort of bloatedness is actually happening. And a big part of that is very, very far from where the services are actually delivered. Absolutely. And ironically, Ayabonga, when you look at... Okay, I think we have to look at uh, uh, SOE separately. And I think in in some instances, they also have top managers earning huge wages. Yes, and I guess that's because, I mean, uh, Dominic, their bargaining units are different, uh, which is another issue. I mean... Why, why should there be different bargaining councils for in public sector workers? Public sector workers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but also, again, Ayabonga, if you look at ESCOM, and you look at the people who are working at ESCOM, coal-fired power stations. Yes. Those, those people are not getting massive wages and income. They are heavily underpaid, Ish. right? So, so when, you, when the uh, argument, when the anger is turned on workers at ESCOM, uh, to be as the problem, or public sector workers, that's healthcare workers, etc. Seventy percent of the public sector. It seems as if it's quite uh, untenable 
to direct your frustrations at them when they are the ones who's effectively holding up the economy. Hmm. Dominic, the other thing I guess we also want to look at, you touched on it briefly, I mean, the issue of the municipalities. Um, and a big part, I guess, of the allocative mix of what will be announced tomorrow is what goes to provinces, what goes to districts, yeah. what goes to local municipalities. Yeah. In a deepening state of dysfunction in many of our municipalities, which I think, as you would argue, is opening up space for the commodification of many public goods that are just critical for people's existence and survival. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so already we're seeing municipalities getting less than 10% of the national revenue, making them more reliant on having to charge tariffs, yes. um, water and electricity bills on people who invariably are unemployed and are unable to afford them, putting municipalities in a death spiral. So unless government changes the fiscal framework and allocates a lot more resources to municipalities whose mandate it is to deliver key services, municipalities are invariably getting the short end of the stick mm. and will continuously face a, an impossibility of having to deliver services for two uh, too little resources. Now, if you're already only getting 8% of the national revenue and you, the, the size of revenue is shrinking due to a contractionary economy as government continuously slashes spending, then, or uh, if it's 8% of total spending as well and spending is continuously contracting, then municipalities are even getting a smaller uh, piece of the pie, right? Mm, mm. So municipalities are really going to be, and the majority of people in the country are based in uh, the poorest municipalities in the country, are really going to be facing a deepening social economic crisis and a deepening crisis of service delivery. Uh, with this, uh, in a context of growing unemployment and inequalities, it seems like an unsustainable situation for many. And the SRD uh, is a plaster of a gushing wound. But let's talk about some of of those elements, right? Because I guess there's Mm. a big question mark. A lot of our attention is on the SRD. But the SRD Mm. is not the only grant. We've got a child support grant. We've Mm -hmm. got an old age grant as well. Mm -hmm. We'd be interested in comparing the growth in those grants expected over the next three years or so with where inflation might potentially be. Uh, and then, of course, I guess there would be other frontline budgets, education, health care, you know, uh, that are also going to be very critical for us to watch. What are you expecting there? As I was saying uh, earlier, I think there will be below inflationary increases across the board to these key uh, services and to social protection. Um, in a context where the lower quintiles, those who have lower levels of income in the country actually face higher levels of inflation, considering that they spend a disproportionate amount of their incomes on food, transport, and electricity. And here we have seen uh, electricity tariffs being proposed to increase by 20%. Mm. We've seen massive increases in the fuel prices, which will invariably lead to massive increases in transport and with that we've seen huge levels of increases in food prices and i think the peter marriage book economic dignity and justice group does an excellent job of showing how much 
um, the, the baskets of food prices have increased over the past period at a at double digit um, percentages. Last, so the poor yeah. are getting poorer in the country. Last one, maybe here on my end, uh, Dominic. Uh, is an interesting graph, I guess, that was shared in the medium-term budget policy statement on the maturity profile of some of the debt on the balance sheets of uh, the large SOEs in South Africa. And I guess the proportion that is uh, RAND-denominated and uh, the proportion of, of that that is uh, denominated in foreign currency. And it's quite clear between 2022-3 right through to 2029, there's a massive jump expected, I guess, you know, in the size of, um, you know, uh, a foreign capital-denominated uh, debt, or foreign, you know, currency-denominated debt uh, that yeah. we have to pay down. Uh, and that might mean, I guess, uh, you know, a massive shift in how much of the budget is actually allocated uh, to uh, making provision for capital payments on debt, not yes. just the servicing that's, costs. And that's the point I think you are making earlier on, that we've been putting a lot of money in debt service costs in relation to our SOEs, and very little investment into ensuring that it can actually stabilize and rebuild itself. Mm. And I mean, in ESCOM, there's been a dose of investments until Madupi and Kusli, and that was bad investment. So yes, there is a problem of overly prioritizing debt service costs over investment into uh, a key assets. But when you're having to negotiate debts and investments, it often is a challenging situation. The question is, do we need to turn to greater levels of foreign credit, Ayabonga? There's lots of uh, possibilities of, one, looking to borrow internally, um, utilizing various uh, public uh, uh, finance, pools of public finance, including what we would argue uh, at AIDC, the Government Employees Pension Fund, uh, where you can borrow at below market, market interest rates. Mm. And already, um, ESCOM, for example, has uh, gotten loans from the PIC, uh, the asset manager of the Government Employees Pension Fund. So there's no technical reason why they couldn't look to borrow more internally. Yeah. And we've seen that, that it actually can provide stable returns of investment. This is not an official BJC position, though. So, so, so this is a Comrade Dominic here. position, this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's AIDC. It's AIDC okay, position, right. yeah. No, that's fine. Comrade Dominic, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, and I know yep. you're going to be watching quite closely the um, developments that come out of that budget tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing some of your thoughts on that as uh, the day unfolds tomorrow. Thank you that very much great. for your time, man. Thanks, Ayabonga.